Support for this podcast comes from Blackline and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Greg Frost, CFO of Hartford Funds, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 246. How as a finance leader are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Carol Wood, CFO of Dijon. It's very important for finance leaders to realize that there is a direct correlation between, you know, that customer satisfaction and your financial results. So all of us track our revenue retention and our revenue growth and our customer upsells. And I think that there's a very direct correlation between the customer satisfaction and how close you are to your customers to you know, retaining those customers for a long period of time, being able to understand their business and their needs so that you can um, incorporate more of your products into their business and you can grow with them. Listen to our complete interview with Carol after these words from our sponsor. Many accounting and finance professionals are facing a sizable obstacle these days. In this age of data enlightenment, their financial close processes leave no time for data analysis. The very activity that opens the door to new opportunities and career advancement. Blackline has the answer. By automating, centralizing, and streamlining financial close operations, Blackline customer organizations are now ready for the data-centric world, allowing their finance and accounting professionals to open the door to new opportunities. To learn more, visit blackline.com forward slash CFO. Hello, we're speaking with Carol Wood, CFO of Dijon, a tech firm based out of Boulder. She has over 20 years of experience in finance and tech. Finance career is dotted with mergers, acquisitions, and IPOs. Along the way, she's routinely implemented systems and built finance teams to help transition a company through its growth. Carol, welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we always begin with asking for a few of the career milestones that you feel may have helped prepare you for a CFO role. What would those have been, Carol? Yeah, I would say um, going back to the beginning, my first career out of college was, or my first uh, job coming out of college was with Arthur Anderson. And, um, you know, going into public accounting was great exposure very quickly to many different um, different companies. And, you know, when you come into public accounting, you're dealing with high-level executives right off the bat. So that was jumping right into the fire. And I started my career in the late 80s, early 90s, not to date myself, but that was where the dot-coms were starting to emerge. There were a lot of IPOs, a lot of M&A transactions, companies going public with no revenue. There were some crazy times back then, and um, it was very exciting and, uh, you know, just really a great platform to start my career, not to mention the work ethic you get, the long nights and that kind of thing, but um, just a lot of exposure that uh, was a great jumping off point. So I would say that is the first milestone. The second milestone, I would say, was with a company called um, SCC. We changed the name to Entrado. Um, took, I was the controller 
when they went public. So they went public in the late 90s. And um, in those days, companies were just starting in the technology industry to adapt more of a recurring revenue model. So we transitioned the company from a licensed enterprise type of model to a recurring revenue model, which was critical for, you know, the longevity of the company. And um, the IPO was an amazing experience, and I was in charge of coordinating attorneys and bankers and, and the printer. And, um, and after that, I became CFO of the company, and it was great experience in learning, you know, kind of the risks and accountability of being with a public company. So, you know, it's, it's completely different than working with a private company and um, built a finance team there. You had to deal with compliance for the first time. So I would say that that was my second big milestone. And uh, third, I would say, would be a combination of the tech companies that I've worked for. Um, I've worked for Freshwater Software, Simple, Dijon, and um, just getting that sort of contrast between companies and what their strategies are. Uh, Freshwater bootstrapped the company and uh, really didn't take much funding at all from outsiders. And a uh, very interesting model. You know, a lot of tech companies are um, working with venture capitalists and, and growth equity and, you know, building in that way. But Freshwater was more of a bootstrapped company, um, had some great success, uh, sold to a company called Mercury Interactive. Uh, and then I worked for PaySimple, and um, they were private equity funded and um, and was just a great experience and then vision. And what I would say about all of those companies is uh, it was a very exciting time taking them from kind of the smaller company where you have everybody jumping in and just doing whatever is needed. And then as you grow in order to scale, you have to develop some maturity and develop systems and processes and really get the team functioning to create sort of a well-oiled machine to get you to that next level. So, um, you know, just the combination of the different experiences there were just really critical in giving me the experience I needed to, you know, come here and help lead this company. You mentioned freshwater being bootstrapped, and I'm just wondering what was the type of mindset you may have had there versus uh, the other companies? What exactly did you find yourself focusing more on in, in such a bootstrap company? Profitability. <laughs> you know, they really didn't want to take money from the outside, and so we were very focused on um, staying skinny and um, making sure that we were profitable. And we were kind of getting to the point where we were going after more of the enterprise end of the market. We signed a contract with IBM, and there, had we not sold at that point, there may have come a time where we needed to raise capital to stay ahead of that, but um, but the focus really there was staying profitable, um, you know. And so we we just really were working with a skinny staff and um, and doing what we you know everybody pitching in and doing what we had to do to keep that bottom line positive. Tell us so. about arriving at Dijon and the type of job here. I mean, it's not like here we go again. Was there an opportunity here for you, perhaps? to uh, explore new areas of how to perform the CFO role? What exactly enticed you here? 
I would say, um, you know, there was kind of what I had been through before. You know, they we had less than 20 employees when I started. And so having the opportunity um, to, to, to grow and, and help the company mature. But also one of the things that enticed me here was the founders were all out of BioWest. And, you know, BioWest has a great reputation around town, um, sold for over a billion dollars. I knew that this team was experienced and, you know, was a great team that I can uh, learn from and grow with. And so that was very appealing to me. And another thing was because we were a small team, you know, less than 20 people at that point in time, I was excited to come in and help build the culture. Um, so I do oversee HR here and hired our first HR person. And, um, you know, already in the nine months I've been here or so, we've already revamped our PTO policies and um, started a goal-setting program for our employees. And so I was really excited about that opportunity, not only to um, grow the business, be part of that strategy, um, you know, the strategic direction in general, both on the finance side and on the operations side, but also to be um, part of developing that culture, which, you know, so far has been really fun. And we still have a long way to go, and I'm really excited about that aspect of it. Now, you said you arrived there and the workforce was under 20. Can, how, how large a workforce is it today? We're just over 30 now. Okay. So, it's gone so that's within nine months. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Can you share with us maybe uh, at Pay Simple uh, how that workforce might have grown during your, your stay there? And you were there a number of years, I know. So I was there six years. And so we were probably 40 when I started and around 90 when I left, I want to say. And, um, and that company really matured during the time I was there. Um, we had a great team. And... Um, you know, when when I started, again, you have a lot of people just jumping in and doing whatever it takes and then growing into that more mature phase where we got a lot more disciplined. Um, we got a lot more focused on data. Um, we were very marketing-driven there. Uh, we were we were doing digital marketing. Almost all of our customers came in through digital marketing. And so um, understanding our funnel, um, our sales funnel, how we got clients, what our conversion rates were, um, we were in then taking that to the next level in terms of revenue and um, measuring our customer growth and a lot of data around that. And so I would say that a big part of our maturity there was um, developing data and intelligence around our customers and, um, you know, how we drive revenue growth and retention and, and that sort of thing. Well, this is interesting. You, you mentioned that in the late 90s you first became familiar perhaps with uh, the customer uh, measurement or customer-centric models that were, uh, you know, have taken shape really today in so many companies. Do you feel as if you were a trailblazer originally and, and how over time you've become more uh, as a finance leader focused on the customer experience? Yeah, I would say that, you know, for me that that um, really hit home more at uh, Pay Simple where we became, you know, I think over time um, 
at Pace Simple, we had, just because of the allocation of resources and things like that, we had kind of gone away from the customer experience focus. And over time, we realized that we didn't have a good handle on what was happening with a customer. We had, might have a customer cancel with us who was a large customer, and we had no idea how they were feeling about our product and that kind of thing. So I do think that the focus shifted, and we probably were um, more on the early side of that, but um, understanding that if we could touch our customer in different ways, um, we would be more successful. And today there are so many different ways that you can, um, you know, through different types of media, um, through social media, through email, you know, just so many. And I think that one thing that we have to be really careful not to forget is that the human contact is really important too. And uh, so at at Pay Simple, we definitely learned that once we brought that focus back into our business, it really made a difference. And here at Dijon, um, we are uh, we just have a, a customer relations um, director. I think she is starting in a couple of weeks or a week, and um, I'm really excited about that because I feel here that we can do a better job of that and that um, we can get closer to our customers and that it will really contribute to our success. So uh, we have a lot of opportunity here to do that, and I'm very excited that we're on a path um, to getting closer to our customers. Do you feel like you're spending more of your time making sure the pieces are being put into place uh, for the customer experience than other finance leaders? Well, I would say that what I think finance leaders need to understand is that there is a direct correlation between the numbers and the customer experience. So all of us track our revenue retention and our revenue growth and our customer upsells. And I think that there's a very direct correlation between the customer satisfaction and how close you are to your customers to you know, retaining those customers for a long period of time, being able to understand their business and their needs so that you can um, incorporate more of your product into their business and you can grow with them. So I think it's just very important for finance leaders to realize that there is a direct correlation between, you know, that customer satisfaction and your financial results. Let's find out about Dijon. Uh, can you share with us a little bit of the uh what the competitive landscape is out there for its products and services today, and, and more or less we're looking, what is its competitive edge out there? Yeah, I would say that Dijon's competitive edge is that we provide a complete managed end-to-end -end, um, service on the virtual desktop infrastructure environment, and, you know, there are solutions out there that provide the infrastructure but don't necessarily manage it end-to-end, -end. and we've found that, um, a lot of times we're getting customers that tried it in-house where they maybe used an AWS or something like that for the infrastructure but tried to manage it themselves and found that the complexities were far greater than they had anticipated. And so with us, we, um, you know, we've come up with our solution and it works and we've proven that it works and it, it takes a lot of um, effort off of the customer and, um, you, you know, and helps them to be more successful. So I would say that is really the, the biggest edge that we provide 
and also um, we are just at the tail end of becoming TCI and HIPAA compliant, and so we can offer a compliant solution to our customers, which is not something you typically see in the VDI market. So, um, so that'll be a great product for us to roll out and and provide additional value to our customers. Now we've. Uh, touched on uh, recurring revenue a number of times already, but I'm wondering what those key metrics are that you rely on to understand how the company's performing. Sure. I mean, revenue growth is clearly our number one um, metric, and uh, it's something that we had some goals around for the year. And um, so we're always watching revenue growth and uh, we look at our revenue per customer. Our revenue per customer grew 50% year over year. We've been on a 100% revenue growth overall um, the last couple, the last few years. And first half of this year, we were 100% revenue growth. But then when we look at our revenue per customer, that grew 50% year over year. And um, you know, we look at how much of that growth came um, from uh, you know our customers growing with us. So taking additional seats, as well as the success of selling new products into those customers, so upsells, that's very important. Revenue retention, we've been running 126% um, revenue retention or negative attrition, as some people might call it. And again, you know, that's a number that we're watching very close and looking at our customer experience strategies, staying close to our customers. And then I would say margin is another metric that we're watching very closely and for us there's confusion with our stakeholders and our investors over our margin because sometimes they want to try to bucket us into the SaaS world and so we have a little bit of a challenge in educating people that we're really a managed service type of solution. We don't look like a SaaS company but um, but our margin is important and that's something that we continue to watch very closely. And then things like pipeline, how much of our quota do we have coverage of in our pipeline, and what's our cost to acquire a customer. Um, you know, kind of, I would say, we, for the most part, our tip, your typical recurring revenue type of metrics, but, um, you know, just staying on top of what does drive our success and, um, and what do we need to be watching and what are our goals. We always like to ask for a, an aha moment. Uh, Carol, which is what we describe as a moment of strategic insight that you've had along the way uh, during your finance career, something that perhaps the numbers or your your finance lens was able to reveal to the organization, and it may have led you to point the organization in a different direction or look at the world a little differently. What would those have been? I would say that it was around data. Um, at PaySimple and here at Dijon, um, you know, at PaySimple we had a time where, you know, in a company like when you're dealing with earlier stage tech companies, resources are tight. And so at um, PaySimple we implemented a very basic um, data package and we loaded all of our revenue data into it. And it was amazing how much we learned about our customers by doing that. We could then track, um, you know, growth by customer and, and behaviors by customer and um, profitability metrics and things like that. And so it, it really changed the way we were looking at things. And here at Vision, when I started, I call it our poor bands 
big data because we're doing it in Excel, but we're um, dumping information out of our general ledger, and again, we can track um, information by product. How much of different products are we selling? Um, revenue growth by customer. Um, it, it just gives us a whole different insight how much of our revenue is coming from new logos versus logos that have been with us for a while. And it helps us to do some goal setting and to identify what our key drivers are and, uh, it, and what is going to make us successful going forward. When it comes to the organization's workforce, what are your priorities as a finance leader? Yeah, I, I think one of the reasons we hired an HR person is because we do need to get the right uh, the right people on board, right? And um, so, you know, we're we're a fast paced company. We're a company that needs people who are open to a lot of change and are willing to put their new ideas in and are willing to do it, what it takes, basically. And um, it's, it's a different environment than being in a large company. I did work for First Data for a while. And it's just, a, and there's nothing wrong with that kind of environment. It's just that it's a different environment. And here, you know, the benefits of working in a company like ours is that you get a lot of exposure to all areas of the business, no matter which function you're in. And so it's very important for us to get the right people on board that fit into our culture. And then um, a couple of other things, we've started some a goal-setting program so that every person in the company knows how they impact the results of the company and what they need to do personally to contribute. And another thing that we're just about to implement, we're rolling it out um, in a week or so, is we're going to a team structure so that we can focus on our customers um, and more efficiently and also to promote communication. We have an office in San Antonio, so our tech people are out in San, San Antonio. And it does um, create a little bit of a gap in communication, having them not here in the office where we're not seeing them day-to-day -day in the kitchen and that kind of thing. And so we're, we're reorganizing into this team structure where we will have specific salespeople, client relations, operations, um, focusing on, and sales engineering, focusing on a specific set of customers so that they have a com consistent message to that customer. The communication is really strong, and um, we think that this will help us both from a employee satisfaction, people um, seeing more success in helping our customers, and then also our customers feeling like we're even more cohesive in how we serve them. Now, how would finance, your finance team, be part of that structure? Yeah, that's a good question because we did sort of debate on whether um, we would insert our finance team and our HR team into um, into the structure, and really, I I look at those functions as more of a support function, and they will have to um, you know support all of the teams in kind of an equal way. We're just not big enough. I think if we were larger and we could assign a billing person, you know, to a specific team, but we're just not there yet. And so the way that our finance team will interact is that they're going to have to support all the teams. And, you know, my intention is to have them participate on the teams, you know, on a periodic basis so that um, so that they stay dialed in. Because the billing, the billing side of things and, you know, serving the customer from that perspective is important as well. 
Okay, we now kick off our mentoring round where I begin by asking the question, what is one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? I would say that one thing that's really exciting is that um, finance is not just overhead anymore, that the finance organization is part of the team. We're part of the growth, part of the strategy. Um, you know, a good team, a good operations team will be looking for those success metrics, and finance gets to be a part of that. We're not just that overhead that's reporting what happened last month. We're now part of the strategy and determining what drives the business and helping um, helping the team to understand the biz- business and what the success factors are. What do you wish someone had told you at the start of your CFO career? In other words, that, that piece of information you wish you had. Yeah, I would, I would say to, to look at the big picture. I think coming in when I was earlier on in my CFO um, career that I was more focused on the numbers and the reporting and that kind of thing, and it took me a while maybe to get that bigger picture and to understand the value that I could provide um, outside of just reporting the numbers. Um, so, so I would say that. Is there a personal habit that you have that you believe has contributed to your professional success? I do. I run in the morning. I get up early, 5 o'clock usually, and get my workout in before I start my day. I know that once my day starts, the train has left the station and I'm not going to get a workout in, so if I don't get it in in the morning, um, I won't get it in. And I love the morning where... Um, I have uninterrupted time from my family. My family's all still sleeping, and I, I get that time to sort of start my day and just get my head in the right place to get started. Um, so I do think that that's been an important personal habit for me. Finance thought leaders don't go anywhere. We're about to ask our finance leader guest for their business priorities over the next 12 months. But first, permit us 30 seconds to thank our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. Okay, our final question. Uh, what are your priorities as a finance leader over the next 12 months? My priorities are to help my team manage into our next phase of growth. And we just... Um, we just did a fundraising, and uh, so we have some capital, some new capital. And w- one thing that I feel is really important from my standpoint is to 
help our team understand what we need to do to get to the right level and to kind of do it in a measured way. Um, the last thing I want to see is that we go and and spend it all and then have to lay people off later. So I, I really want to see us use, use um, the funds wisely and to keep measuring our success as we go. So if we're, you know, investing in one area, measuring the success of it and making sure that we're continually making adjustments um, to make sure that we're getting the right return from the investments we're making. Carol Wood, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Hi, it's Jack Sweeney. At CFO Thought Leader, we wanted to give you, the listener, some added clout when it comes to selecting next season's CFO guests. We call it Listener's Choice. And in the months ahead, our Listener's Choice guests will enjoy some added box office clout as we advance the CFOs you most want to hear from into next season's CFO lineup. To learn more about CFO Thought Leader's Listener's Choice, visit us at cfothoughtleader.com or go ahead and email me at jack at cfothoughtleader.com. Hey, one last thing. It's no secret when we originated CFO Thought Leader, it was with iPhone users in mind. Android users, we have neglected you. And so to make amends, we just released a CFO Thought Leader mobile app just for you. It's now ready for download on Google Play and Amazon Android Markets. No matter what world you're part of, thank you for listening.